So newsflash, we're not trying to convince anybody that life insurance is a better rate of return than your investment. But what's interesting is when you start understanding the qualities of like, oh, my death benefit grows. My cash is able to be utilized. Oh, I have other living benefits for like what happens in the future. Oh, I, I can utilize my money while it continues to grow. There's like, oh, no other investment acts like this. And so what ends up happening is people just say, life insurance is a bad investment. And then they just move on, but they don't actually understand, number one, that statement. And it's funny because what, what they say in the industry is never show the internal rate of return. Like people just will think that's really bad. I love showing the internal rate of return because I think this just highlights how amazing this product is. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Hey guys, we're looking at math and true rates of return of whole life, and we're going to show you the real numbers. We're also going to show you how you can use a calculator that everyone has access to, a future value calculator, to show you the real rate of return looking at any illustration. And finally, we're then going to show you that internal rate of return, what it actually means, and other factors that go into a life insurance rate of return. Yeah, and here's the big issue that I've been coming across when it comes to life insurance and rates of return. Two things come up is people have no idea what the rate of return on life insurance is. Mm -hmm. And two, always comparing it to something else. So those are two things that we want to discuss today. And life insurance rate of return is very unique compared to any other financial vehicle that's out there because it's calculated differently. It's not like, hey, I get a 7% continuous rate, you know, average rate of return in the stock market. So my rate of return is 7%. Obviously, we know there's a difference between average and actual. But in life insurance, we focus on a number that's called IRR, which is the internal rate of return. And it operates way different than any other product, like I mentioned. And what I want to do is I want to show you, and Caleb and I, we want to show you a live illustration and design and be able to explain that more on what that actually means. Because if we show you the numbers, it'll make more sense than us just talking about it. So Caleb, if, if you want to do me a favor, if you want to go ahead and, and share the screen, this is going to be a uh, overfunded uh, and asset designed properly for cash value purposes. Okay. And in this, we have the total amount that we've put into it uh, every single year. We have the total cash value, the IRR, and then the total death benefit and the IRR and the death Oops. benefit, <laughs> which is completely fine. Do that all the time. So you will see that in the first year in our policy, we have a negative 20% IRR on our policy. Right. Now, the conversation always talks about whole life getting the 4%, 4%, 4%. Like, where does this 4% randomly come from? And so that's why I think it's, it's, it's more complicated than just saying, hey, you're going to get 4 or 5% on your policy. Now, on a blanket statement, you can argue that you can get between a three and a half to a 5% rate of return in a policy in general, but there's so many factors that are involved with it. Right. It's going to be someone's age, someone's health rating, the, the design, the company. There's so many factors. So running an internal rate of return on a policy is super important when you're looking at which company I should go with, what right. should the design should look at and seeing the numbers and then understanding it. Because right. if you understand it, then you understand maybe some of the downsides that life insurance has at the beginning. Yep. You understand the the benefits that it may have later on as well. You just understand how it works a whole lot better That's if right. you can understand the difference between rate of return and difference between IRR and how life insurance is versus a different product. And then that's why we never compare life insurance to another product from like where you should store your capital because right. they're different vehicles, right? But I think it's important for like Caleb's going to talk a little bit later about 
looking at different advantages from, yep. you know, well, from one to another as well. But the, the first thing is life insurance is not an investment. 100%. So we're going to look at the investment part of the life insurance and it's just the rate of return. And you're going to see very quickly if you are an entrepreneur or an investor that knows what they're doing, you can earn a lot more than four or 5%. So newsflash, um, we're not trying to convince anybody that life insurance is a better rate of return than your investment. Um, it's, but what's interesting is when you start understanding the qualities of like, oh, my death benefit grows. My cash is able to be utilized. Oh, I have other living benefits for like what happens in the future. Oh, I can utilize my money while it continues to grow. It's like, oh, no other investment acts like this. And so what ends up happening is people just say, life insurance is a bad investment. And then they just move on, but they don't actually understand, number one, that statement. And it's funny because what, what they say in the industry is never show the internal rate of return. Like people just will think that's really bad. I love showing the internal rate of return because I think this just highlights how amazing this product is. And if, at the end of this video, if you understand the value of life insurance as a foundational asset, we did our job. If you don't, please comment below because we want to clarify because life insurance is not supposed to replace your 401k or something, it's a, an amazing foundational asset for the right person. Yeah. And it just brings a lot more transparency too, when you can actually look at what is the IRR on the policy and you know what you're getting. You yep. can you can tell if it's well-designed or not based off of that alone. And so what we're going to look at is this is actually a non-guaranteed whole life contract that we're looking at right now, uh, the design. In whole life, you have guarantees and you have non-guarantees, right? The guarantees, that's where the 4% guarantee comes from is life insurance to say, hey, you get a 4% guarantee, but that guarantee is a gross number, okay? So I want you to think of that. And then you're like, hey, if I get the non-guaranteed, I get a dividend. Dividends right now, depending on the company, could be anywhere from 5 to 6%. So it's like, well, if I'm getting a 4% guarantee and a 6% dividend, shouldn't my rate of return be 11%? Well, that's not how it works in life insurance because we have mortality costs, we have expenses, startup costs to do business, marketing, pay for the employees, commission to the There's so many different things that are involved. So what we're going to look at is the net number of what you can expect from a, uh, a design that we design. Okay. So this is thinking, Hey, guaranteed, I'm going to get a specific growth, 4% of the guaranteed take out expenses, et cetera. I say, always like to say on average, you're going to get close to maybe 2% and then the dividend you have between five to 6% after you take it out, all those expenses from a growth net standpoint, it's close to another 2%. When I'm explaining it to individuals, not looking at it from the numbers. Okay. So then you can say, I'm going to get close to a 4% internal rate of return or rate of return. When you're talking about it conceptually, if you're talking about it to your friends, to your colleagues, to individuals you're trying to share this with, because you're not going to have this to be able to look at. But well, what we're going to do here is explain it to you on what it's actually saying, looking at the actual numbers. Okay, so if we look at it, year one, we have negative 20%. It's because I put in 50000 I have $39,000. So from the amount of money I put in, I have negative money that's coming back to me. If I go to between... So just be clear, uh, you're putting $50,000 in, you have access to 39000 Okay, so this is of capital that you can utilize. If you die, you have a death benefit, which is an asset to your financial life of 2.7 million that will get paid out to your state. And so the real negative thing is if you cancel, you just lost 20%. Yep. That's, that's what this number is. Okay. So then yep, exactly. So yeah, it's not, it's not actually negative. It's just negative from the amount of control that you have from the amount of money that you put into that's it. That's right. Yep. So if you go to years between five and six, okay. right, you're going to see that the, uh, internal rate of return flips from being negative to positive. And the reason is, is because that's the break-even point. It's essentially, I put in a total of uh, 
what three dollars $300,000. $300, and I now have more than $300,000. So I now have more cash value available to utilize and control than the amount of money I put in. Can so, I also point out something? Yeah, go ahead. Look at the death benefit. It's almost $4 million. So all the people out there that are saying, hey, um, your death benefit or your cat whole life insurance steals your cash value. Okay, let's let's do this. Let's do the math. You had two point seven million of death benefit. You put in three hundred thousand. You have almost four million dollars of death benefit. Just just wanted to point that out. It's just essentially stating that I put in money. That money is now becoming part of the death benefit, and it's growing indefinitely. Yeah. So it's just, it's just a it's just pointing out that that argument is not well well stated if you structure these policies properly. The, the argument is I only get either the cash value or the death benefit, right? Yep. And so this is clearly stating like, hey, I put cash value in, my death benefit grows, so they work together as one yep. as I'm like getting both. Yep. So essentially right now we've put in 300000 we have over 310000 that we have access to, and we have an almost $4 million death benefit. If I know, if I understand this correctly, Dom, I can utilize this capital to reinvest and my cash value continue to grow, and it looks like my death benefit is going to continue to grow as well. Yep, that's correct. Beautiful. So can I just say say something? A lot of people are obsessed with break-evens. We'll, we'll say break-even's awesome. Break-even really only matters when you if you want to cancel your policy. Mm. It's and, and I guess you have more access to capital to be able to utilize, but you're going to see that don't set up overfunded life insurance if you're going to just cancel it. It's, it's not usually going to end up well, and you just paid money for a permanent death benefit that's never going to you know, hit your estate. But overall, break-evens are only, only matter if you're going to cash out your policy. Yeah, that's a very good argument. All right, so what I want to point out and show is let's just go down to year 20, okay? Here we are. We've put in a total of uh, like a million dollars and I have 1.6 million. My IRR on this policy is stating 4.53%. So you look at that and you're like, oh, so I got 4.53% on my money this year. Yep. That's not what that's stating. That's not stating like, hey, I put my money in the market. I got 4% on my money overall on the S&P 500 or whatever uh, stock my, my dollars win. That's not what this is stating. This is stating, and this is the clear delineage between life insurance and any other product, is that I am getting 4.53% as if I was getting that since day one. Okay, so day one, I was actually getting negative 20% of my money. Okay, but everything now follows up and um, catches up essentially to where I it was like I was getting 4.53% since day one, even though really day one I got that negative 20. But now you can see like 1.5 to or uh, from 19 to 20 or 20 to 21. There's, that's not 4%. Like right. <laughs> my money's growing $150,000. Yeah. Like that's not yeah. 4%. That's way more in it. And that's why you talk to a lot of really, really wealthy people. They're like, my whole life product is one of the best things that I've ever inve- uh, put my money into um, from a storage standpoint. Because yeah, I almost, you I almost, almost said the I, I almost word. said the I word, right? Because that's <laughs> it, how some people yeah. say it, right? Because I put in, you know, $50,000 and my policy grows by $150,000 or right. 100000 you know, there's a, not a point in time where there's nothing that can really do that later on in life. Obviously, right. at the beginning, it's not growing as predominantly, but later on in life, when you're 60, 70 years old, and it's right. like and I put in fifty thousand and my policy grows one hundred fifty. Like you can't put your money and do that anywhere else. To be so. to be clean, we stopped paying premiums. But let me ask you this: when you can put fifty thousand dollars into a policy and get one hundred fifty back, when do you want to stop paying that? Never. Yeah. So. A lot of times people are like, hey, I don't, this person, you can stop paying premiums after age 48. I, I promise you the mindset needs a shift from this is not an investment. This is a place to store capital. So 
4.53%. We really, another way to say this is that's like you are earning, that's like you're storing capital in a place that you can earn 4.53% every single year. To prove that, Dom. Yep, let's, let's prove it. Let's uh, take a future value calculator. Okay, we're going to... We we always do the math beforehand, just, just to. But I'm gonna sure I'm gonna works. actually do this. Okay, so you take a future value calculator. And this is good too, because then you guys can Google future value calculator, be able to do this on your own, and be able to just you know okay. do the math yourselves. So what we're gonna do, and you can take this and do this on any illustration. If it's easiest, if it's it's paying the same um, premiums, um, because then you'd have to get a little bit more advanced advance if the premiums change. But what we're essentially doing is we're putting fifty thousand dollars in a year. Okay, 50000 from year 1 to 20. So we're doing that for 20 years. And the future value is $1,645,395. What I'm going to do is I'm going to hit enter. So this is assuming I put $50,000 into a widget, and um, the widget grows to 1.6 million plus. What kind of rate of return does that widget need to earn every single year to get to that number? Let's see. 4.53. Now, let me ask you this, Dom. 4.5, 4. 4. let's just say. Mm -hmm. 4.5. Is that a good rate of return or not? I think it depends. I think uh, <laughs> you'll stick at what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good, yeah. Because uh, is that good in... Would you be happy with that in crypto over 20 years? No, I wouldn't, you know, but knowing that I'm never happy. Dude, it's a positive number. No, not <laughs> and that a, might be, not, that might not, be the best thing. Not, I don't know. Not over 20 years. Okay. I, I would. All right. <laughs> All right. So, but okay. So four point, I, let, let me say this. If I had to invest my money and I was taking risk and I had the opportunity cost of not having access to capital and I only earned 4.5%, I'd be very, very disappointed. Is 4.5% pretty competitive right now for comparing it to a savings account? I would argue that it's way more than competitive. What's really amazing, and this is what <laughs> we're going to do, like I, I need this to sink in because what, what we're going to do, is there anything that you want to say before I go on my little rant? Oh, I love okay. your little rants. Bring like literally, this, this made me a believer in what we do, okay? Um, I don't like that we can't see. I'm going to just shrink this a little bit. This made me a believer. $50,000 going in. And we have the same numbers, same numbers, one, 1. 1.6 here, death benefit of 3.7.3, uh, okay? So I'm earning an internal rate of return of 4.5%. Same, same thing, same, the math works, okay? Now, if we, put, if we compare this to cash, okay, $50,000 goes into a savings account, assuming earning 0%, versus life insurance, who's in the, who's in the head year one? Savings account. Mm -hmm. Every time. Over 20 years, it's a difference of six, over 645000 Why? Because life insurance gets a rate of return that's better than zero. Now, what is what is a savings account? What's a, like a high-yield savings account earning? Just to be fair, let's say 2%. 2%, 1.2. Still a pretty big difference. But in a savings account, Dom... What do we need? What do we need to pay in a savings account that we don't need to pay in in life insurance? Taxes. Taxes. Biggest, biggest overlook. So a lot of times when people say four point five percent, uh, yeah, that's I guess that's pretty good. But it, it's like I could I could get I could get half of that in a savings account. Okay, but in a savings account you have to pay ordinary income tax on the interest that you earn. So I don't know. Should we? I mean, th this is where. You know, when we talk to wealthy individuals, they're like, oh, I think taxes are going to be higher. Let's say it's just 20%. Just say it's 20%. 5.6% 5 
20%. Now, if you're high net worth and if you and a lot of people that work with us are, it's a lot more than 20% and, and the, they want us to model higher taxes in the future. So now what what kind of alternative account take, gets you anywhere near 5.6% every single year and gives you the ability to have access to cash? Mm, I'm stumped. <laughs> I, I am too. I, I don't know. <laughs> I am too. I just like, mm, that's a good question. <laughs> we could add a management fee if we want to uh, compare this to an investment. I'm not going to do that. Or, and so, and this is another thing. It's, you started off with $2.7 million of life insurance, and you at the end of the year 20, you have $7.3 million of term insurance. Sorry, term, not just permanent insurance. How much would that cost in term? I don't know, $5 million. That'd be a ton. You, Especially on a 29-year-old, yeah. do, do we have a guess? For seven million dollars, let's just say be, five million. I mean, I would say it's got to be probably two, three hundred dollars a month. So okay, let's just say I, close I would, to four or five grand a year. Okay, so let we're gonna say five grand. Don't quote us on this. We, I just I I put people on the spot. But what we're doing is saying, okay, let's say let's just suppose for the moment that we're gonna do five thousand dollars for five million dollars worth of coverage, and now we need to earn six point eight percent in our savings account in our like asset that compared to the liquidity just to keep up with whole life insurance. So, and again, this is an imperfect way because the screen, like the numbers were small, but but the point that we're trying to make is the rate of return is important. The break-even is important. Having flexibility, all those things are in a, in, important. The biggest mistake people make when they think of life insurance is they compare it to an investment. Uh, a lot of people come to us and say, um, should I do IUL versus whole life? It, it really depends, but a lot of times they're comparing it to an investment. And the way that we structure life insurance and the conversations that we have with people is the life insurance is not an investment. It's a foundational asset that you can store capital, that you have an ever-increasing death benefit, that you have an ever-increasing pool of capital that you can utilize. The rate of return is pretty good if you think about the like asset. And then there's so many other benefits, whether, whether it comes to future retirement, whether it comes to uncertainties, whether it comes to chronic illness riders, where it comes to all these other things that we could, we could say, and it would be clickbaity, but we could say life insurance, you need to earn 10% a year every single year because you have, like if you didn't have life insurance because of all the benefits yep. that it gives you. We're not. We're showing you the the actual rate of return, but the I just want, I want to let everybody know that the actual rate of return can be deceptive. It it actually can be um, less valuable if you just look at that and compare it to other investments because it's not an investment. It it gives your dollars more than one job. Yeah, no, I thought that was fantastic. And uh, over a period of time too, if you go back to the actual illustration, um, you, you'll see that long term that it actually gets more than 4.5. Yeah. And the other thing is too, is if dividend rates increase because interest yep. rates increase, that number theoretically could be a little higher. We and just have no idea. It could also be lower. It could I be mean, lower. 100%. We just have no idea. But at least we have all of the benefits yep. regardless of what the dollar amount is that you just stated. We don't We don't sell life insurance because of the rate of return. Everyone that does that is going to be playing a game that I don't want to play. If you say, if you if you position it or sell it or or provide it as a foundational asset that makes your life and assets and results better. That's it. That's, that's how we talk about it. So sorry that I go on these rants. I just get, I get fired up about this because we get a lot of questions and I just hope that someone watches this and it just changes their perspective, whether you're, whether you're an advisor that's trying to help people, like, you know, that life insurance is important, but you can't articulate this, share this video. If you're someone that is looking for a better way, betterwealth.com, check it, check us out. Um, go get a clarity call, talk to us, 
um, and see what you're doing. I'm, I'm not sure if this will be a, a benefit or not, but everyone that comes talk to us gets different perspectives and it's, and it, it can be helpful. And if you're, if you're an advisor that wants to find a better way, there's links below this YouTube video that you can check us out. And there's a lot of cool things that we're up to at Better Wealth. Couldn't have said any better, man. And uh, if it makes it, you know, any better, I actually appreciate your answer. Uh, I, I learned a lot from you. So keep them going. I'm sure the viewers, they appreciate it as well, too. And, uh, it's, it's the best way they can get a hold of you. I, please, if you're if you're a hater, please comment below because you fire me up. I get excited and a little bit sad when I when I hear that I'm the scum of the earth or a parasite or other things. But I, I do know that haters are going to hate. Um, but no, we, we want to hear from you. So if you have questions, if you have other videos that you want us to do a reaction video on, if you if you like my rants, please take two seconds out of your life and give this video a thumbs up and let us know. But overall, we're here to help people live more intentionally by challenging the way that people think. And the way that people think about life insurance is wrong in most cases. And hopefully we can shed some light on an asset that could be beneficial and yet could be the worst thing in your financial life if it's not designed right and if it's not the right person. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.